Do you guys hear about the rock clock? <laughs> it was a it was a the physical alarm clock. clock. This is a setup, right? No, no, no. This is a physical. <laughs> no, no, no. This is a real thing. It's a physical alarm clock that all of the all of the um, like alarm sounds were Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Like, get up, Buttercup. Like, it was just like a lot of like it was like his inspirational, and you could set it to rock time. Which, I mean, they faked this, right? But the idea was you would get up whenever he gets up, which was like 4.30 a.m. or some shit. Like to get up to pee in the middle of the night. Wait, when the rock gets up at 4.30 a.m.? Yeah, yeah, something ridiculous. Fuck him. You know, you know, like successful people. Hey, and welcome to another uh, episode of Real Talk on Let's Make a Unicorn. Uh, you know, so we're trying to make a funny podcast, and then we thought, like, what if we made some episodes that just weren't funny at all? <laughs> like, what if we just made episodes that, that like, didn't, they just didn't do that, though? Like, on purpose you know? this time, though. Like, on purpose this time, though. <laughs> this could be our greatest joke. <laughs> no, but we, we, anytime we have a guest on, we try to keep them after if we can and kind of do do an actual deep dive because I know a lot of people listen to the podcast they're not sort of as intimately familiar with startups as we are which is a good thing but also like there is interesting aspect to the startup world and we have the great opportunity to have people who are like really doing the startup thing like actually doing the startup thing unlike unlike what you hear on this show which is like <laughs> yeah next level doing the startup thing of course, yes. So anyway, uh, Sam is back with us. Thank you for being here, Sam. And uh, you ac- you actually told him, I don't know actually what we're talking about. You told me. I think the thing that I, I, I thought would be interesting for us to talk about is the whole founder first thing. So basically this mm. idea is that if you are a VC or if you're a supporter of a startup, you need to be in their corner, right? You need to be advocating for them. If they fuck up, you're you're with them, right? You're rolling with the punches, yeah. Running a startup is incredibly difficult, and um, you just need to trust the founder because the founder knows best, right? Well, I mean, this this is like, this is everywhere. So like we went through Techstars, Techstars, I remember specifically saying we're founder first. It's become kind of a trope though, because like now everybody says that. It's like hashtag founder first, founder friendly, founder friendly terms, like every VC like they need deal flow, right? So they they are. I just wonder if it. I just wonder if it encourages bad behavior. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, no, I think that's like that's what I want to hear about because like it is. It's now become a meme because every hmm. VC firm is talking about how founder friendly they are. It's like, well, what were you before? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, the flip side is that it's like do the most investors, most VCs don't know what they're doing. Right. They 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 truly have no idea what's going on, especially the ones that weren't founders in the first place. And the founder creates and they invest in founders because of this founder first thing who have this like extreme ego and this complex and the ones who are pitching the the most extraordinary optimistic version of what's going on and what's being lost is the truth and what's being lost is actual communication. Mm-hmm. Say more about it. Like, for somebody who hasn't been in hasn't ever pitched a startup or been in a pitch competition or talked to a, a VC about anything like what is the you know like uh, what is it about startups specifically that drives that sort of like 
dishonest behavior. Yeah. Well, it's like, think about this. Like any, any seed stage company is like not really a company you should invest in. Uh, yeah. They don't, they can't possibly have anything. Exactly. Right. It's going to fail. And so, I mean, it, the whole thing is set up in a portfolio approach where if you're an investor, you don't invest in one startup, right? You invest in a hundred or you invest in a right. thousand and you hope like hell that two of them do well. Mm-hmm. Venture capitalists aren't investing their own money or they're investing a small portion of their own money. They are going out and raising a fund from limited partners or LPs. So they're going to go out and uh, source, say, $300 million. Uh, and they would say, okay, we're going to run this fund for three to five years. We aim to make this many investments. Here's our general thesis. Here's how we think we're going to win in the long term, making great investments. And they start making investments in startups. But they know that the vast majority of those are just going to go nowhere. You know, like if you invested your your retirement this way, we'd say you were an, a, a lunatic. You know, but the <laughs> idea is that you're looking for one bet that returns the entire fund. And something like Techstars is kind of the epitome of this. Like they have thousands and thousands of companies yeah. in their portfolio. Well, I mean, shit, they're making they're making they're taking six percent or more mm-hmm. of how many companies a, a year? A lot. You know, like, and I say taking like they're not like like they. It's not a land grab. Like they're 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 providing real value to those startups, the ones that have their eyes open that know. Oh, this is the value that I'm going to extract from this from this experience. And for each startup, it's gonna be totally different. But no one no one feels like at a deficit out of a program like that if they are approaching it from a learning perspective of like, yeah, yeah. I'm going to extract value out of this. It's a great program. It's a great right. program. Right. I, so think, it, I think no what I want to talk about that. is something a little bit different, which is like right. after, yeah, say after we, like we did outside, the accelerator thing. Exactly. Outside of Techstars and whatever, like we went through that. What happened after, right? Yeah. Like for, yeah. for some, some of us, um, I mean, a lot of us tried to pitch, right, to VCs and like raise around afterwards. Yeah. Oh, I think nearly everyone did, yeah. whether or not it was the right stage. For me, for it wasn't yeah. something that I ever really wanted to do. Like coming into program, I was actually very explicit. I don't know if you guys knew this, but I was like, we're not going to raise. Like, and even I had no idea. Even the I didn't day, know that. the day of demo day, the day of demo day, we were like, we're not going to raise. That's fun. I mean, you had, you actually had, like, you guys had monthly recurring revenue like you were a business well that's the like, thing so all these so so just to to bring it back yeah. um you know if you're investing in seed stage it's like these companies are like we're going to we're going to be making 10 million dollars next year now we're only making $5000 a month right now <laughs> and it's my and I and I and it's my money like, and I just I just keep buying my own thing to make that happen but but just but, wait. But we have line, we have we have clear line of sight to get there. And look, <laughs> you, might, you might, you yeah. might, you might. At the very least, you have some justification that that is possible, right? And yeah. what happens is that like the the people who are able to pitch that most compellingly are the ones who are going to get funding. Because if you're not able to, I mean, it's just way more exciting, right? And people want to believe, right? And it's just like it just breeds this like terrible culture and mm. and what what gets lost in the meantime is like actual health right health of the founder sure mental health absolutely but also like health of the company itself and that's why yeah. you know you got the WeWorks, you got the ubers you got like all these companies that are like never going to turn a profit and are like mm. probably net bad for the world and so the question is like should we crack this collective delusion mm. Or and, and and does this actually come from this idea of being founder first, where you're like supporting the craziest founder, 
right? Would oh. it actually would it actually be better if we're not founder first, right? Would it actually be better if if investors had more oversight over the company? And for me, like personally, in my like I I don't really want that. Like I don't hmm. want people looking over my shoulder and questioning my every decision, um, because I do want kind of a a long leash to run things the way I, I think they should be run. Because I think I'm actually personally doing something that's that's different and that that hasn't been done before, and that requires a lot of creativity and that requires um, improvisation. Right? You're hmm. you're I'm playing a piece of music that hasn't been played before, right? But at the same time, like going all the way to the left there mm-hmm. and just it just saying yeah do whatever the fuck you want like that can't be that can't be good like i it's funny because I, I thought i thought at some point i thought we were talking about two different things you know there's this idea of founder first and this idea of being founder first and the is that real or not are they really founder first or are they saying they're founder first you know um are you saying you're you know the customer's always right or are you just saying that you know, and that, that's that's one idea. Is founder first? Is it true? Um, and the other idea was like, oh, this idea of the the incentive, the extreme incentive for dishonesty and delusion in startups. I mean, like, how know? many? I think for us, like, some of the companies that came out of our program are like truly making a great impact. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. like Neopenda, like Sona's company, is like. Whenever I tell people about like tech stars, I tell them about Neopenda. Like, they're they're right. literally saving children's lives. Right, Reaply is transitioning the world to a greener economy. Like our company is breaking down race and class and socioeconomic accessibility barriers in education, music education, and it's like these are these are good things. But then you look at like pretty much all the other companies out there, and you're like, wait, is is actual innovation happening? Right. Well, but also like it's it, here's here's a really interesting and tough question. Um, Neopenda ra- had raised money coming in. Neopenda's raised more money. I don't know who their investors are. Same thing with Gear. I don't know who anybody's investors are. I, I haven't looked. But it's not about the individual investor. It's about venture capital as a whole. Though These companies have an incredible mission that transcends uh, generating a return for the shareholders. But did the VCs invest in that mission? No. No. Or do they invest in a return for the shareholders? It's really hard. It's really hard to suss it out. It's really hard. I mean, that's the thing. It's like these things get mixed um, to a point which is like, it, it just becomes really difficult. It's like, I, I love your mission, but I love it insofar as it may return my fund. Yeah, nobody's investing in a nonprofit. People people donate right. to a nonprofit, but we right. keep those separate, right? There is no right. gray yeah. area. But it's like, we want, we want our startups to have a mission to change the world, but we want them to change the world so they can capture that market and monopolize it. And there's, there's you know, really like, it's like, like, I want you to change yeah. the world and then own it. There's a balance between the the capitalistic nature of the individual and the like philanthropic nature of the individual, and and we have to remember that each one of these companies and each one of these firms are made up of individuals. Like these are humans that have their own like moral compass. Some of them have no morals at all, but but <laughs> some of them like will and they'll make those decisions based on those arbitrary, rather arbitrary moral decisions. 
and it, they're going to be imperfect each time. Um, but they're basing it off of the data that they have in the moment. And some of them will make those decisions based on, oh, here's the, the scope of data that we have at the moment. And we see these metrics and we see this potential, we see this upside. So yes, we're going to invest this amount at this valuation, but it's all arbitrary, right? None of, there's no rules for any of this because it's a launch pad for, for things. There, Right. There can't be it's a rule speculation for that, right? You know, you're starting something new in an ocean that's blue, and that's like you can't actually create any kind of structure inside of that. So you have to make your best educated guess, and and so it all comes back to like human nature and what people believe in and what they're willing to put their money behind. It's like it's like bird signs, right? So like it's I don't understand why the sun rises or sets, so I'm going to come up with a reason. You know, like all of these VC firms. You know, the, the thing that the VC firms that have terrible returns, the VC firms that have excellent returns have in common is they all have a model that explains exactly why they're right. <laughs> you know, right. like it I is, mean, I, could come I up don't with know that they're- For why I'm right on yes. like why I should drink yeah. nothing but Mountain Dew and eat nothing but Oreos. But like, that's not going to be good for me. There's, there is still some sort of like, oh, here's what's right and here's what's wrong. And it's, you know, it's, it's, you know, I, I think venture capital is more mystical than we give it credit for, right? It's the pursuit of something- outlandish and huge. Oh, I, and think, I think people lean into the, the mystique of it. It's, it's, it's mystical from, from the beginning because mm-hmm. you're, you're investing in something which doesn't exist. I, I, I got a question for the two of you. Yeah. It's like when I knew you, you were both in Kai. And yeah. at what point in Kai did you feel like you were doing the most of what you wanted to do? Like actually you, like you felt like you were doing what you wanted to do as an individual. And at what point do you feel like you were doing the least of what you wanted to do? Ooh, this is a great question. Yeah, I kind of feel like that the moments where I felt more like myself and where I was like, oh, this is the kind of work I want to do. or This is the kind of work that I'm really good at was when we were actually telling the story. And and whether Mm. that story was – um, the, the, the pitch was, re- was a really great example of that. And, and our pitch is kind of, I don't know, it, it's the, it's legendary a little bit in that. Oh, like, it was amazing. Pe- Look, people when, tell when- stories <laughs> about our pitch. Holy I've shit. never heard any stories about our pitch. I'm like, because I left Chicago, I guess. No, but your pitch, oh, like but- the, the, the graphics behind, like the whole thing, like I remember, I remember the whole, it was really big church. <laughs> it's a really big church. Yeah, and, and like that that moment was really good. I felt like this is the kind of work that I'm good at doing is like yeah. translating this really abstract concept into here's the business that we're trying to that we're that we're trying to sell, right? And and there were also moments of like I was building the um part of the linear conversation engine around the the bot, right? Of uh and that was a lead generation tool that we had. And it was that was really fun and I enjoyed doing that, but it was also like, this is my way to contribute to this larger story. And yeah, it, yeah. that was that was really pivotal for me. And I think that could have happened inside or outside of the accelerator or even the pitch process, so long as I'm telling yeah. a story. But that, that, to answer your question, Sam, is like, that was the most Levi that I could inject into a company. And it came through. It was one of the most impressive things I've ever seen. That means a lot coming from you. Thanks. Levi, you, you, you sidestepped the when did you feel least 
What, when working at Kai or doing the startup thing, did you feel like you were doing the oh, least? Oh, uh, literally every other moment. No, I'm just kidding. But there were lots and lots of moments where I was like, where I just didn't believe in it. Where I just didn't hmm. believe in- In the, in the startup or in the, pro, or in like, and I, I don't want to, it's not about tech stars, right? It's like, mm-hmm. it's like tech stars is a part of startup culture. And there right. were many moments where I personally am like, I don't know that I believe in this. I don't know that I, it's like you have that moment in church. You're like, wait a second. I'm not entirely sure I believe this. In those moments, there was just a lot of, I don't know, a lot of insecurity around, well, what kind of story should I be telling? What kind of things should I be investing my time in? And is this worth testing? And I think if I were to do it again, I would like, I would hold everything at arm's length. You would hold close to your vest the mission that you believed in, which means you need to understand that. You need to understand what is the one thing that I want to accomplish out of this venture and then and di- and not necessarily ignore everything else, but just in- take everything as an input and weigh it against your own conviction. Because at the end of the day, that's what we were pitching was our own conviction. Yeah, yeah. Now that I've had lots of time to think about it, I think it may be too much of an abstract answer. But the question was like, when did I feel most like I was doing what I made to do while doing a startup? And when did I feel like least like myself? And I think the answer for me is like, I had a vision for something and wanted to make it a reality. And that's, that's, you know, that's a part of who I am. That happens to me a lot. And I feel a drive to take the things that, that show up in my brain space and try to make them real. But I assumed that meant I need to be a startup CEO, convince people oh, to join me, attract funding and go do that. I am like, I felt least myself whenever I was driving. Is this like a whenever, therapy session? It, yeah, Should I bit. be charging when, you $100 an hour right now? <laughs> Levi, I'm the one asking the questions right now. Yeah, okay. that's true. So I think you at least need to split the money. But no, okay. I like I felt... I, I felt... <laughs> and I'm going to tie it back to like the founder first idea because so this is now getting really into therapy territory. So like there was a need to pretend like you knew what you were doing and I mm-hmm. didn't. But then, but then hold up just to cut you off real quick. Um <laughs> The, but then when you, you you just said that when you were listening to these other people, they were giving you advice that didn't make sense to you. You were doing things mm-hmm. that didn't make sense. So right. Like the, it was yeah. just bad on both sides. It, it was. And, um, you know, I like, you know, the, the, the I'm more comfortable as a navigator than as a driver. Uh, I would way rather be like in, in the second position, like the second in command kind of role where I'm there to assist somebody who's out in front performing. And mm. being a startup CEO is at least in part performing. If you're raising money, there is a performance requirement. You must perform. You must be convincing. Oh, absolutely. You must be right. compelling. Yeah. I don't think mm-hmm. that's true of a CEO of a small bootstrap business. I think there are different skills you need there. But if you're going to, to either you've got, either you've just got something incredibly, that despite your delivery of it, the, the business is so good, or you need to be incredibly convincing. And there's a kind of founder who's just, they've gotten good at being convincing. It's a reason why startup and venture capital attracts charlatans. And you can give you can give an authentic performance, right? I think totally. the, the, yeah. the tying it back and saying charlatans is true for some people because you can give an inauthentic performance. I think, it, I mean, but the other thing is like, we, we personally know some founders who are absolutely authentic, mm-hmm. who the one thing they struggle with, to your point, is like putting on that sales like yeah. 
the, yeah. the sales face and going and, and saying things which are at the verge of untruth without actually lying. And I think that's one of the, that's one of the challenging things about this, yeah. this whole landscape is that there are investors who will throw money at people who will just talk good. Oh, I, I, I mean, I heard something heartbreaking from an investor that, we, and he, you know, he's on the good side of this, but for an investor that we know, I heard something heartbreaking, which is essentially, I asked like, hey, will you give this person this feedback? Because I think it, mm-hmm. they, would, they would really benefit from that. He said, essentially, no, I can't do that. I can't be honest with my founders. Damn. If, I'm, if I give them direct feedback that they, even if they need it, like I'll be honest about what's going on, but if I criticize or am critical in any way, uh, that founder will go cry to a different VC and I'll be shut out of the deals. That's founder first, right? It's like, I will let this kid dictate my professional relationships because I don't want to upset this kid. Yeah. Mm. And I'm like, I'm, I am that kid to some people. I, I actually, this is what is happening currently in my life is I'm 26 years old as of like a couple days ago. Hey, happy and, birthday. Hmm, happy birthday. It's like a month ago, so. Um, but mm, basically, it's bullshitter. Yeah, I cannot believe you just lied I'm, to us. I'm a charlatan. <laughs> I'm a charlatan. <laughs> um, and so, I mean, just saying I'm a child, right? <laughs> Goo Gaga. Exactly. <laughs> Not like whoever from uh, Burlington, Vermont, um, <laughs> who's way more mature than I am. <laughs> um, He's already got funding for his idea. <laughs> so we, we've already heard he's got he's we heard back he's got <laughs> um so i mean the reason i actually brought this topic up in the first place is because i'm living this right now mm. right i'm sometimes i feel like i'm very very good at pitching the business and i always i i've doubted myself in terms of running the business mm. and that's something that i'm trying very very hard to to close that gap right i've got a coach i've got all these mentors i like you know, do do a bunch of, of work to try and like close the operational side of things. But at the core, Levi, similar to you, the thing that I think I've always been best at has been pitching. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, honestly, there's a reason why they're called founders and not runners, right? Like they're, I, I and yeah, I think yeah. so much of that is, has been lost. What, what I've identified for myself, and this, this kind of diverges from the founder conversation, but what I've, what I've realized about myself through some very painful transitions is that I'm good at starting things. I'm good at building, but I'm not good at maintaining things. So, so long as I can be put in a position where I can be building things and starting stuff, I'm great. And I'm good for the organization that brings me in at that point, which means I also know that I have an expiration date. If if I get to a point where what I've built now needs to be maintained and that organization asks me to maintain it, here's what happens. I end up destroying things just so that I can rebuild them hmm. because that's what I'm yeah. built to do. That's what I need to do. And that's destructive for the organization and for myself. And, and I learned that the hard way. And so now I, I, when, when I have interviews with companies, and this is what I did with the, with the company that I'm working at right now, in the interview, I said, hey, I'm really only good for an organization for like two to three years. After that, like you need to hire a, a team to take over because I'll build whatever needs to be built. But once it's built, I need, I need, I need to leave and I need someone else yeah. to run it. 
Yeah. And I think that, I mean, well, the, can, real, the name founder means someone who founds something. Does that mean that they end up running the operation? I, I don't know. So, so here, here's what's happening to me right now is I had an investor kind of come at me pretty, mm. pretty hard. And this is an investor who has, does not have um, experience in early stage. Mm. They, yeah. they, this is their first rodeo, mm. right? And everybody else, they know the game. And I found myself caught flat footed because I was like, I was like, wait, don't you know what's actually going on here? Mm. Right. Yeah. Like, do, wait, what? Like, do I need to explain how this works? And I, I found myself like the, I, I didn't, I didn't explain how this works because I was like, I'm not going to crack this collective delusion. I'm just going to take it. So I yeah. took some heat, and that was that was a couple days ago, and I'm still kind of thinking about that. I'm just rolling it around in my head and thinking like, is this is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? I feel personally like I need to be able to operate with a little bit of impunity. Just a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. But like how much is healthy? That I don't know. And I don't have right. the yeah. I don't have the benefit of hindsight yet. Um mm. and so my my first my first reaction after after this call was to call up a, a, a founder friend and and tell tell him what happened and he's like, fuck that, you know, that's <laughs> that's not founder friendly, like that's not helpful. And I've just been going, like, is it helpful? I mean, mm. well, here's the thing, like, and I don't know the details of the conversation. You know, we don't need to know them. Like, whatever that person was saying in that moment was not driven by a set of facts in that moment. It was driven by an emotion. And and what is that emotion that person was feeling? Were they disappointed in you? Because that's a real feeling. And it, it, it com- that comes from a place of like, I respect you and love you and I expect it better. Um, was it fear for their investment? Were you like offending their sensibilities about how a company should be run? You know, we've all had that person who's just like, you know, it's like, uh, you're doing what? With who? You know, like, it's like it, it offends their their sense of the way the world should work. Yeah. And I mean, quite frankly, if they're, if they're not an experienced venture capitalist, if they don't know the game, a lot of it offends their sensibilities. Right. They don't know how, how risk the world affects works. them personally. Yeah, it's like, hey, no, no, no. We're just trying to get a higher valuation so that we can get a higher valuation, so we can get a higher valuation, so we can be bought for something higher in that valuation or we can IPO. Mm. Um, because that's the thing people don't know. Like there is no bit, now that these investors are in their money's locked up, there is no benefit to your company operating profitably. Like you need to have right. a liquidity event for people to have a return and get back to the business they're doing. And so in some cases there's this transition between like, well, what do you mean you're spending all this on that? It's like, well, I have to, I have to make the valuation 10 times higher or else nobody gets what they want. Yeah, one of the first conversations I had with one of our investors after we closed the round was with the 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 wealthiest of of our investors who who told me to uh to stop charging for our product and to stop Oof. making money. <laughs> no, I mean, let, let me tell you this. I I considered it. This person right. this person is very wealthy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like you know, it's like it's like I don't have to charge directly. There's many different ways to charge for it, but the the non-direct ways are less attractive to a let's just say a Midwest investor who's looking for MRR. And the only thing they understand is MRR because mostly what they do is SaaS. Dude, I didn't even know what MRR was. Like I remember walking into multiple VC meetings and like talking about our revenue cuz like yeah. we we were making revenue, right? We were making mm-hmm, actual yeah. cash and we were getting it in the bank. 
And they're like, no, 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 no. You should be talking about monthly recurring revenue. And I'm like, well, this is the money that we put in the bank this month. And, <laughs> and they're like, yeah. no, that, that doesn't matter. And I was, and they were like, they treated me like I was so stupid. Mm, yeah. And I'm like, okay, I guess. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> sure, whatever. Well, I think that, that's a, that, so this brings me to kind of, kind of, I think, you know, my, I, and I, I'm not just bringing it up here. Like I've been bringing it up with a lot of people lately when I, when I talk to people who are fundraising or involved in the VC space is, I I know I know there are bad actors out there. I'm not saying there aren't bad actors. Mm-hmm. Personally, because I mainly go by referral and by, you know, people other people have worked with. I've never met an investor who I thought was a bad person or who was being dishonest with me or was trying to exploit me. Every investor I've met has been a, a kind person who probably got in to the business of venture capital not because they wanted money. It's because they enjoyed it, felt the thrill of it, wanted to make things that matter. But they bought into a system called venture capital mm-hmm. that has a greater impact on them than they realize. And they don't actually allowed to do what they think is the right thing to do. They have to act in accordance with the system called venture capital. And no one, no one on their own merits, even though they say they're different, no individual firm or VC, even a giant VC, could actually change the system at this point. And the system is one where you know, we say founder friendly, but really you're just saying, I am not going to fuck with you. I'm not going to interfere with you. I'm going to let the founder maintain control. Would you look in situations like Coinbase? It's like, is that a good idea to leave the founder in control? It's like, hey, good news, 22 year old. I'll give you basically unchecked authority as long as you can keep making money and raising your valuation. Like, is that good? We love the story. I mean, we love yeah. celebrities. We love seeing yeah. them torn down. Like, if if you're a VC who invested in that and they they like they go under or whatever, like you actually yourself, you're not out any money, but you also have a great story, right? Mm-hmm. It's like getting yeah. really drunk. It's not good for you, <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. But it's kind I, of you fun. know I. I I read a really hot take today on Twitter from a, a university professor who's very critical of the VC space, and he's like talking about a VC Twitter. The, the hot take was VC Twitter is essentially a bunch of useless people who are bored. Hmm. And so they feel like they need to sort of opine about important things in the world because otherwise they'd be twiddling their thumbs. What would they do? Otherwise they'd just be sitting on their money. Interesting. It's like, well, I have hey, a bunch I'm of money and really I've made honest, a bunch of money. I don't, I don't know what half these people do. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, they, they invest. I they mean, are, sometimes they I don't know what I do during the day, but like, I really don't know what these people do. Right. You know, it's like, and what, what makes a venture capitalist is access to capital. So we make fun of SoftBank a lot. Yeah, we do. And, you know, people were like, well, he must have done something right. I'm like, well, he put $20 million into Alibaba and it's now worth billions. And so like, he has all this money and he decided like, I've found the right way put tremendous amounts of money into companies. If they won't take right, your but money, threaten someone to invest else in their also put $20 million into juice row, you know, and that didn't end out very well. So like it, it is truly gambling. There's, there's some education and some insight that you need, but it, it really is yeah. a gamble. The, like venture capital is like my aunt who's convinced she knows the system to figure out when the slot's going to hit. <laughs> That's it. It's like, and, and it's a, and it's an internally coherent system that makes sense on paper, and the spreadsheet looks nice, and they have a good track record to prove it. But they are still just subject to randomness. 
Mm. Um, and unfortunately, the way that our our economy works, especially in worlds like venture capital, is it's extremely easy to ignore a tremendous amount of hurt and pain and value destruction and focus on the outsized return. Um, you know, but it's it's a uh, when I when I, I raise money from friends and family, which I'll never do again, but I raise money from <laughs> friends and family for Kai, and I pretty much told them this is a lottery ticket. Yeah. See, that's wonderful for you to be able to say that truthfully. Cause like I mean, just coming back to like this whole theme is like there's a collective delusion that it's not a lottery ticket. That it's yeah. a sound investment. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. Uh, I'll never forget when I shut Kai down, the first phone call I made, the person that entered the line said, and I and I cared about what this person thought about me quite a bit. Mm-hmm. They'd invested. And they said, so that's it? You're just giving up? Damn. What's driving that is not that they wanted to hurt me. Me scraping along, shuffling along, suffering, hurting, uh, uh, incurring a bunch of opportunity costs and other things that me and my team could be doing with our time that impact the world and make our lives, you know, enrich our lives. Anything we were doing that he didn't have a piece of was useless to him. Hmm. And so it was in his best interest that we continue no matter how unfortunately or painfully on, mm-hmm. because what you should never do is quit, which I think is a narrative that hurts founders and helps venture capitalists. If I was going to sum it up, yeah. I would say like, hey, if you're get, if you're thinking about doing a startup, like I, I, it's I, you know, we laugh and say don't. I don't think that's true. No, I kind of want you to pursue your thing, mm-hmm. but don't. When you look at the system and you say that seems kind of wacky, don't lose that thought. It is wacky. So like, you know, don't like, I I think, you know, this is kind of trite, but like really trust your instincts, including those moments where you feel like you want to call bullshit on what the really nice person you had a great meeting with says on their website or what they said in the meeting. They can be a nice person who does care about you in that moment and still be someone who would kick you to the curb in a heartbeat if you shut down your company. Like, Like that's the hard part. Both of those things can be true. There are lots of VCs I would totally have a beer with that I'm really upset with <laughs> when it comes to the company. But here's the thing. That literally is their business. Yeah. And they can be bummed that their investment in you didn't work out, in Entrala didn't work out. But they're in that case, they're joining in you with your grief. And that's a reason to have a drink with somebody. See, you I know, think like, I, I think that's a good barometer. And maybe the next conversation we have is what are the criteria for what would get me to have a drink with you i think uh, like i i have if you're very few boundaries on that i um yeah it's like "Mm, i'll fucking have Um, a drink with anyone (laughs) you know what levi you could be a vc all right sam thank you so much for uh for being on we appreciate it and you know these these are episodes sam I enjoyed I enjoyed both segments of this. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. We we're still figuring out exactly how to do these, but I think there's some benefit in addition to telling jokes and laughing about like talking about the actual shit involved in making a company and not just the bright stuff about it. So I appreciate you being honest and open and, and sharing with us. And I think uh hopefully our listeners enjoyed it too. Thanks everybody. Mm-hmm.